morning, everybody. I just heard the word yes. And while we're coming up here, this is what I heard. I'll say yes, yes, yes. I'll say yes, yes, yes. I'll say yes, yes, yes. To whatever you want, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, wow. I'm feeling very excited today <laughs> to be able to speak to you on behalf of motherhood. And this message is for men and women. It's for the body of Christ. It's actually in our word. And it's been ruminating in my heart for a couple of months, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But first, I'd like to just point out our sweet family that is the most recent picture taken of us. And I'm thrilled today to have my beautiful daughter, Summer Joy, and gorgeous son-in-love, Paul Okimoto, with us. Would you please stand so we can honor you? Thank you. Having our grandchildren, Preston and Bella, with us are the icing on my Mother's Day cake or donut, I don't know. <laughs> Hope you all had a great donut time this morning. In fact, let's give it up for our team who made Mother's Day so special out there with the booth, videos that were made, donuts. So cool. I love our church. <laughs> so just... To recap, in the last couple of days, we got to bless our grandbabies. Well, we hope they, we blessed them. They blessed us. We got to watch them for a uh, while. Their parents had a little bit of R&R. &R. So it was great being Gigi and Poppy. That's who we are outside of here. They don't know us as pastor and pastor's wife. They just know us as Gigi and Poppy, and we spoil them rotten. <laughs> we love that. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this beautiful girl sitting here who made me a mommy. Well, actually, her daddy made me a mommy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but she is the fruit of our mommy and daddy coming together, and the rest is history. Summer Joy was conceived in a hot summer in Africa. It's where I'm from, in case you're wondering about the accent and was born during an extremely hot August summer in Texas. That's her name, is Summer Joy. She's been our Summer Joy every season for her whole life. Summer graduated 11 years ago, almost to the day today, as a doctor of nursing practice from Baylor University. And she is now serving as a part-time graduate faculty for Baylor University, teaching and preparing the next generation of certified nurse midwives. Woo! What's amazing about that story, and I'm gonna finish that little clip in a second, but I wanna segue back to before she was conceived in Africa. I met this super cool looking dude who looked like Donny Osmond and Patrick Duffy all wrapped into one. What's not to love, right? So I loved him so much. Um, we had already agreed to get married. He'd asked me to marry him. And in the midst of our love, I got pregnant out of wedlock with beautiful Summer Joy. And my dad, uh, when he first found out, we went to the doctor. And he's like, I don't, I don't want this to change your life. You know, we've got plans for you. And he took me back to the doctor who confirmed that I was pregnant and said, what can we do? And my doc the doctor said, well, we can get her an abortion, fly her to London, because in my country, abortions were illegal. And um, this was on a Saturday, he took me to the doctor, and she said, we can fly her out this evening, and she can be back at work in Africa by Tuesday, and no one will ever know. Let me just stop and say, if you've had an abortion, I just want you to know the grace of the Lord is with you and you will see that baby again. And there's no condemnation here. But for us, for what we stood for and what we believed, we couldn't go through with that. And that's what we told my dad. And he honored that. And Alan told him, he said, I promise to take care of 
of your daughter. He said, we, we did conceive this baby in love and lust, but this baby would have come sooner or later. She's just coming sooner than later. So my dad said, okay, but you need to know, Alan, that this world's not big enough for you and me if you ever hurt her. I'm like, go dad. <laughs> said, Put the fear of God in him, hallelujah. So coming back to Summer's story, what makes her story so wonderful is that she could have not been here. She could have not fulfilled the destiny on her life. And now she is a voice for the unborn and delivers babies every day at Harris Methodist Hospital. <laughs> so, you know, I stand back, I'm like, God, you're so good. Just thank you. So tomorrow, she actually is excited to be joining. It's the same team that she's been with. They're just changing their name. Tomorrow, she starts a new chapter joining Texas Health Physicians Group and will continue to serve women and their families at Harris Methodist Hospital while also teaching at Baylor University, reproducing herself in other future midwives, and I love that. Also in this picture, so you can see um, Preston and Bella, they just went to Children's Church. And then we also have my son standing next to Paul, Zane, Alan Latta, and his beautiful wife, Jamie. And they've given us two gorgeous granddaughters, Brenlyn, seven, and Brea, almost three. Zane is a worship pastor at Ridgeview Church in Rockwall and sells steel for O'Neill Steel in Dallas, Texas. I'm a little biased as the mother. Um, he looks like Elvis, <laughs> moves like Mick Jagger and could sell ice to an Eskimo in winter. <laughs> yeah, can you tell I'm that mom? We will hear a little more about him later on in the message. I wanna to talk to you today about a scripture that has ministered to me. We started out as two, and now we have stretched. Now I'm talking about rubber band faith, and I felt like this goes with Isaiah 54, two verse four. If you have your Bibles, feel free to turn there or on your phone. Isaiah 54, 2 through 4a. While you're going there, I'm going to pray. Jesus, fill my mouth with your words. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to have your way in this place. We invite you to be Lord over all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. I think God had pregnancy in mind because how many of you ladies have had that? We all have been stretched, right? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth. This relates to me, having just shared the story of my youth and what Alan and I experienced. And I'm happy to say that God is not a God who puts disgrace or humiliation on us. He is a gracious Father and a loving God. And I would be, I'm happy to say as well that the Lord has set me free from my youthful decision, giving me beauty for ashes as a woman, causing not only our beautiful family to expand and grow, but he has enlarged my capacity to love future generations as an influencer in young youth and adult ministry. That was just a couple of weeks ago. We were at Reveal and took a bunch of students and leaders with us. And some of those leaders today are students whom I have poured into and are now raised up as leaders in the house. They also lead worship in the house. I want to tell you that it took a lot of faith for me to leave my country, newlywed, pregnant, and cross the world to America it stretched my faith. It stretched Alan's faith. And it stretched our parents' faith, his parents, my parents, to allow us to leave. I was 19 years old. First time to ever leave home to come to Texas. And Alan was 21. 
Nevertheless, the Lord gave us the faith and the willpower to be able to do what we were supposed to do. And that's our family. And now he has lengthened my cords. He has stretched my tent pegs. And my heart is always to pour into the next generation and pour into whoever comes across my path. Of course, I would be remiss if I did not talk about my own mother, Edna Selden, beautiful mommy. She also had to stretch her faith. Edna, along with my father, Harry Joseph Selden, were birthed in South Africa as Europeans, and they birthed two other daughters, Carol and Cheryl, in Johannesburg. Both my parents of European descent were born there, like I said, and when apartheid began in the 1950s, for those of you who don't know what apartheid is, it's kind of like Hitler on steroids. It's racism, separatism, it's not anything that we want, either here in, in America. Can I get an amen on that? So they didn't want to raise their children in that, and they agreed that they would leave that separatist, racist atmosphere and take a chance. They stretched themselves. They left their homeland, their comfort zone, and immigrated to the country of Rhodesia, a thriving British colony bordering South Africa. That is where I was born. My sisters were 10 and 13 years older than me. They thought I was their baby doll to play with. So I basically grew up with three mothers and a nanny. My mother, Edna, had an incredible gift of sewing and began a business out of her home, creating draperies, bedspreads, cushions, anything to do with interior design, she began to do out of our home. And she was called to furnish hotels, businesses, private homes, even the prime minister's home of our country, and then when we got a president, the president's home. So her name became synonymous with interior design. Anybody who was anybody got my mom to come to their home. And many times I would go with her to consultations and I'd sit and watch her do her thing. And every now and again she goes, I hope you're paying attention because you might do this one day. At the time I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm just watching you mom. But little did you know, the Lord put that gift in me as well. So the whole idea of this message is about stretching ourselves and trusting the Lord to make the visions that we see that are bigger than ourselves come to pass. She took a chance. She's a wonderful mom. And we three girls got to experience a, a woman who was a businesswoman, but yet a loving, gracious, hospitable woman. I like to think that I received her traits. I am who I am because of Jesus and the imprint my mother and father poured into me. Ladies, you are who you are because of either your real mother or surrogate mother, a stepmother, or someone who stepped into your life and poured into you. Someone who said, yes. Yes, yes, I'll say yes, 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 I'll say yes, 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 I'll do whatever you want me to. Come Holy Spirit, come Lord. Let's just stop here a minute. There may be some things that God is calling you to do and you've been wondering, I need a sign. And the Lord's saying, just say yes. What does that look like? I don't know, but you all have a story. Say yes. Step into that space because it's fabulous. It turns into something really awesome. You know, we all have idiosyncrasies that have been passed to us through our bloodlines, like the interior design. I like to think that I received all the good things of my mom, some of the things of my dad, not all. My daughter also has the gift of interior design on her house. She and Paul have made a beautiful, beautiful home. And that gift of hospitality flows through the bloodline. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> There's some other women that I would like to give honor to today. 
that are part of Jesus' bloodline. They are five unseemly heroines listed in Christ's genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. We're not going to go there because there's a whole lot of, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and yada, yada, yada. The Bible is filled with amazing stories, parables, and historical accounts. And when we examine Jesus' genealogy in Matthew 1, we see a whole lot of names like Zerubbabel and Abba-Jabba-Jabba. <laughs> Why did Matthew decide to put these women in the genealogy, the first book of the Gospels? It seems like he wanted their stories to be told. They were specifically put in there. And at the time, having women talked about it all was not even part of the culture. So this is a great honor. Jesus came from a family filled with unlikely people, including outcasts and harlots. Through this, Jesus tells us that he celebrates and loves the unlikely people, like you and me. Unlikely heroes and heroines, he sees them as that already. He sees you as that already. He can turn you into something that you never even thought you could become. But you don't know my past. He goes, yes, I do, but you don't know your future. Okay. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> you don't know your future, but Jesus does. You don't know your future, but Jesus does. Woo, I'm feeling him right now. Oh, and by the way, feel free to say amen, stand up, shout, clap, whatever. We're in this together. All right, so we're going to look at a few of these people and examine their lives for a minute just to let you see how the bloodline of Jesus became so amazingly beautiful, like a gorgeous tapestry. The first one is Sarah. You know, she was married to Abraham, and they didn't have children for a long time. And so when God told Abraham, you're going you're gonna to have a son, <laughs> Abraham was like, who this? <laughs> hey, it's God. What? Anyway, so he went to his, his wife, and he said, hey, Sarai, at the time, with an I, we're going to have a son. She started laughing. She goes, no. No way. Have you seen me? You know, I'm, like, oh, I'm like 90 years old. Not happening. She laughed so hard that they just, when she did get pregnant, the name of the child was Isaac, which meant laughter. She couldn't even, con couldn't even wrap that around her head that I'm going to have a preg pregnancy at this age. Anyway, the Lord restored her youth, and uh, she had this beautiful child. And through that child, the lineage of Jesus began. The next woman was um, Rebecca, and um, she didn't know when she was watering a stranger's camels that one day those camels would be hers. She became Isaac's wife. She left home. She had to stretch herself, just like Sarah had to stretch her thinking, I'm going to have a baby at this age. Her faith and God allowed her to do the things she needed to do. Rebecca fed all those camels water. You know how much water it takes to fill a camel? A whole lot. Anyway, she was invited to come back to Abraham's home, and she became Isaac's wife. And little did she know those camels she was feeding were hers. She had to stretch and be willing to step out of her comfort zone. That is so cool. Go, Rebecca. <laughs> and the next one is Leah. You know, she was married to Jacob and was unwanted and rejected. But Leah did not give up. She stretched herself. She went on to travel with the whole entourage, knowing that she was not the favorite wife. She went ahead and birthed children anyway, one of whom was Judah. And we equate Judah with the lion and the tribe of Judah. Through her loins were the lineage of Jesus that came through. The next one is Tamar. Okay, so Tamar 
She puts General Hospital and Days of Our Lives in the shade. <laughs> this woman's story is like, it's on a whole nother level. I mean, she, I'm not going to go into it because you have to come back for that sermon. <laughs> it's in, Gen in Genesis chapter 38, and Alan will be referring to that. Needless to say, she used trickery to get her father-in-law to allow her to have two sons because both husbands she had, they were bad to the bone. They were so bad, God just took them out. At the end of what she did, Judah, her, her father-in-law, who also helped birth these two kids, said, she's more righteous than I am. He realized that what she did was to preserve the lineage that was owed to her. And you have to come back again to hear the rest of that story. But she is in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1. It's amazing. Then we have Rahab, the harlot or prostitute from Jericho. Tamar's story stretches our imagination to even think that she could be in the bloodline of Jesus. But you know what? It gives us hope because some of us before Christ, I don't know so much. And then some of us after Christ, I don't know so much. <laughs> but God is gracious to all of us. Then we have Rahab, prostitute from Jericho. She stretches us to real, make us realize that the Lord chose a prostitute to protect two men to help Jericho come down. Remember, she's the one that put the red rope outside her building. And when the Israelites came, only her part of the building in that wall was spared. And all of it, the rest of it was like gone. So her household was restored, and she is also part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And then the next one was Ruth the Moabite. Oh, let me just say this. Rahab in the bloodline becomes Boaz's mom. Did you know that? How many of you knew that, really? Of course you'd know that, Pastor. <laughs> Rahab became Boaz's mom. And Boaz married Ruth. And Ruth was in the bloodline because she said to Naomi, her then mother-in-law, after her, her husband had died, I'll go where you go. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. In fact, I actually have a band on that I wear every day, and it has that scripture on there. It's coined in a lot of weddings. She's known as that woman who said, I'll give up everything. She stretched herself. She left her land of Moab. She left the idolatry that was in Moab. And she said, I've got nothing here. I'm going with you. Naomi, will you, will you take me? Naomi could have said, girl, you're not Jewish. No, you're not going. But she received her. As a Gentile, she received her. Yes, please come with me. And then the rest is history because while gleaning the fields, Boaz saw her and he said, she's going to be my wife. It's amazing how the lineage of Jesus was unfolded. And the next one was Bathsheba. I call her that Bathsheba chick. <laughs> we all know about Bathsheba. She was taking a bath and Jesus, and David saw her, and while her husband was out to battle, he went ahead and had an affair with her. Actually, being the king, he could pretty much do what he wanted, so we're not really sure if she willingly did it, but nevertheless, um, there was adultery going on. And if we were in Liberia right now, and the preacher was preaching this, you know, David was out in his balcony, and he saw this gorgeous woman. In Liberia, it would be like, let me put my eye there. Let me put my eye there. David shouldn't have done what he did. He even had her husband killed to try and hide all the stuff. And yet Bathsheba was put in the lineage of Jesus. She birthed Solomon. And we all know about Solomon. The next one. Mary. Mary the Virgin, a 14-year-old girl, a most unlikely person to be candidate to bring the Messiah into the world. She was 14. How old are you? How old are you? 
she was a couple of years younger than that young lady. And the angel of the Lord came to her and said, Mary. <laughs> you go have God's baby. She's like, what? Me? I don't know. I think she might have been close to like, oh, what? We don't know how she felt, but the bottom line is she had enough faith to stretch herself like these other women and say, be it unto me according to your will. She was already engaged, and in that day, you weren't supposed to have sex out of marriage. It was not a no-no, and then let alone with somebody else. So when she went to Joseph to say, um, I'm going to have God's baby. <laughs> he's he's going to be the Messiah of the world. Joseph was like, Right. <laughs> Who you been sleeping with? <laughs> no one. I promise. I don't even know how this happened. The angel just came to me and said, Mary, the rest, you know. <laughs> so the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and helped him understand that what happened was really the right thing. It, it was going to happen. And it gave him faith and it gave Mary faith to go through shame, ridicule, whatever people thought about her, they were able to stretch themselves and to allow the Lord to have their way. And through Mary, Messiah was born. That is so cool. Go Mary. Let's clap it out for Mary. You know, we think about these stories, and some of them... I'm pretty sure Bathsheba didn't go around saying, so yeah, I got married to David because we had adultery, and yeah, I'm cool now, I live in the palace. And I'm pretty sure she kept that on the down low. And I'm pretty sure that Tamar also kept her situation on the down low. And Mary, well, she couldn't because she was God's, God's mom, it became apparent, but they were all stretched. And I want you to know that some of your stories, much like mine, was, was hidden away. We didn't share about Summer Joy, how she was conceived until she asked. We made that decision. And when she asked, it was such a relief. And I could use that beautiful testimony to bring hope and life to so many people. And it's been so freeing. And I want you to know that if you have stories in your life, that you've hidden away, perhaps the Lord is saying, share them because then the enemy can't mess with you anymore. Let's just take a minute. Put your hand on your heart. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Jesus, you see all of us and we all have stories. Some are great and some are not so great and some we just wish never happened and some happened beyond our control. But Lord, if there's anything that you're bringing up right now to our hearts and to our minds, it's not to hurt us, it's to say, hey, I need, I need you to release that and let it go. I want to set you free from that because there is no shame in me. There is no humiliation in me. There's only love and light. And as you release those things to me and you allow my light to permeate and penetrate the areas in the deepest recesses of your mind, I will come and do a miraculous work in you. And when you talk about that story and you share that because we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, when you share that, there will be a release and you may never talk about it again, and then again, you may use it as a ministry tool to someone else who's going through the same thing. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, in that moment, we say yes, yes, yes. We say yes, yes, yes. We say yes, yes, yes. I'll do whatever you want me to, Lord. I'm so thankful that Jesus' lineage is filled with people, just ordinary people with 
some ordinary stories and some super crazy, just like out there. And yet the Lord has chosen us to be part of his lineage too. If you've asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior of your, of your life, then you are part of his lineage. You're part of his family. It's so cool. It's so wonderful. And I want to encourage you today, if you are still wondering, hmm, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I just want you to know that the Lord is seeking you. He's running after you. He desires your heart. He desires his heart to be a part of you. It's so much better living with Christ in our lives than without. I can't even imagine not living with Jesus in my life. This message began ruminating in my heart in February. Everywhere I went, I would see rubber bands. All of you got a rubber band. You were wondering, what is this about? Well, I'm about to tell you. All of you received a rubber band today in your bulletins, if you haven't already seen it. And I would go to gas stations, restaurants, cemeteries, because we were doing funerals. And everywhere I went, we'd park the car. There'd be a rubber band on the floor outside the, the door. And I, after two, or two times, I thought, hmm, God, are you trying to tell me something? And one day... I saw four rubber bands, and then I thought, I think you want me to do a message on being stretched. And from then on, almost every time I went out the door, there would be a rubber band. Even yesterday, coming back from Colin Summers' home, we stopped at a racetrack, and in front of the door was a rubber band. I'm like, Alan! <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another rubber band. They're everywhere. But I said, yeah, but I'm seeing them. I, I don't know why. In fact, right before I got out of the car today, this rubber band, I must have pulled it out of my purse by mistake. I wasn't paying attention. But it was on my lap. And so I thought, I'm going to wear this one. And this is giving me faith today to be stretched to share this message. That particular day, that was at Reveal, I went to the bathroom. I know TMI, but whatever. <laughs> and on the floor were those three rubber bands in that store. What are the odds? So I'm like, wow, I'm picking these ones up. The others I didn't really pick up, but I picked these ones up. And what it spoke to me was we're all at different places in our life. And there are times when we are required to be stretched. And how, about, how many of you would agree that last year was a very stretching year? It stretched us to our core, to our limit, beyond our limit. And it actually caused some of us to shrink back and to isolate and to be afraid. It messed with some of our businesses. It messed with our children going to school. It messed with so many things. We were stretched. Parents of, of children, you had to adapt to homeschooling your kids. And uh, people who were not able to go to work, you had to trust in the Lord for your sustenance. Rubber symbolizes resilience and the ability to bounce back from adversity. A rubber band symbolizes something that holds two more things together allowing them to move apart, but always pulling them back together gently or forcefully, depending on how far it was stretched to begin with. We're talking today about rubber band faith. Rubber band faith, just like I read in Isaiah 54 to 4. Extend your tent pegs. Lengthen your cords. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But if the Lord is telling you to say yes to something, especially since we've just come through COVID, we'll say yes, Lord, to whatever you want. Thank you that we're alive. How about that? Thank you, Jesus. I'm wearing a rubber band on my arm and in my hair. Some of you have ponytails. You're wearing your hair up. I need rubber bands. You girls, you got rubber bands in your hair? Right? We need them, right? Especially if you want to look cute, right? That's right. So today I'm talking about rubber band faith and how to be resilient in tough times. How to be resilient. 
when the Lord tells you to strengthen your peg, how to be resilient in tough times. What does that look like? Tips to help you be resilient. Be a bend, not break person. Be a bend, not break person. This last year has caused us to be so stretched. It's caused us to have to think of other creative ways to just live life. That's being a bend, not break person. How to boost your resilience. In the morning, this is something you can do. And during the day, affirm that you're a resilient, flexible person who's been created to triumph over hard times and be successful at home, school, or work. You have to intentionally affirm that you are resilient. And maybe that word hasn't even been a part of your vocabulary recently, given the last year that we've had. He is calling us to be intentional about declaring who God says that we are. The next one is have confidence. Don't stay rigid with fear or despair. Take the next step forward with courage. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 says, We are pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Perplexed, yet not in despair. Pursued, yet not forsaken. Struck down, yet not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the, the putting to death of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. How many of you last year got COVID. It wasn't nice, it wasn't fun, and thank the Lord, we came through it. Thank you, Jesus. We felt pressed on every side. We felt crushed, but we weren't crushed. We were perplexed. How did this happen? Where does this come from? It might have tried to strike us down, but we're still here. Thank you, Jesus. Some of us may still have long-term effects that are going on, but we're still here. We will persevere, we will prevail, and we will come through. Confidence. I want to say that the enemy, even though what he meant for harm, the Lord has turned around for good. How many of you feel like you have more confidence coming through 2020? I want to declare that all of you as you go forward today, we'll have more confidence than what you had before. Because God has you here for a purpose. He's not done with you. And there's a reason that you're still here. And it's allowing the Lord Jesus to come work through us. The next one is be strong. Bounce back from disappointment or discouragement. You're thinking, yeah, right, Yvette, that's not that easy. But that is a possibility for us to bounce back from disappointment or discouragement. Get up each day mentally stronger than the day before. Speak to that circumstance that seems bigger than you and command it to come into alignment with God's will for you rather than allowing the enemy to tell you his plan on your life. You have to intentionally come against that. You have to declare no in the name of Jesus. If it's physical, you have to say, my body belongs to Jesus Christ and he lives in me and disease cannot stay in me. You have to declare those things with your mouth. You don't just sit back and go, oh, well, this is it. My mama had it. My daddy had it. It's part of my bloodline. You can break that thing in Jesus' name. Amen. You have to practice being resilient. Emulate the rubber band, which being both pliable and elastic can stretch a long way without breaking. Some of us were at breaking point last year, right? It was like, I'm done. <laughs> you can do likewise. You can allow the Lord to stretch you. And even though last year has just kept some of us in a fog and we're like, not even sure what my next move is, the Lord still has a plan. He hasn't changed. No matter how far you're stretched with inner resilience, you will be able to recover and rebound with ease whenever times are tough because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can we just say that together? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
This is why this message is so important today. The Bible says that a man is snared by the words of his lips. We have to learn to not be snared. We have to learn to not declare what we see in the media and equate that with our life. We are a nation of people that belong to Jesus Christ. Yes, we live in the United States of America, but we are called to be a godly nation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Thank you, Jesus. They put peculiar in there because I fit in real well. <laughs> and God causes us to allow his word to penetrate our heart, and he wants us to use the word of God. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'll say it again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, uh, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What words are coming off your lips? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about your circumstances? Are the words coming out of your mouth more negative than positive? God is a positive God. He deals with stuff sometimes with negativity. I mean, yeah. He does allow things like that, but he is a positive God, and he wants you to get this deeply ingrained in your spirit, that I will declare the words of the Lord about my life. I will use scripture to declare who he, who he is in me, because greater is he who is in me than who? He is in the world. You need to let yourself know that. Let your world know that. Let your people around you know that. I'm telling you, come out of isolation, come out of that place of being like this, and spread your wings. <laughs> I was inspired to write a poem, and it's called Rubber Band Fan. <laughs> I'm a rubber band fan. My hair can't live without them. Neither my pillbox can. How many of you have those vitamin pillboxes and to keep the things from popping open, you put a rubber band over them? Is there anybody else other than me that does that? I'm so glad I'm not the only one. Yay. Neither my pillbox can. I have daily needs for rubber bands. Just think what these rubber bands are used for with their ability to stretch, filling our simple needs and more. I also love how they bounce back into shape so easily. Yes, we can learn much being a rubber band fan. Our lives are similar to the rubber band's ability of being stretched beyond limitation when dealing with reality. This past year of COVID-19 stretched millions of us to the breaking point of human existence crushed. Pain, sorrow, division, and strife were unleashed on our world, demonically destroying lives before fully unfurled. Yes, we were and are stretched to the limit of our core, yet like the rubber band, our resilience will endure. Do not accept fear, doubt, and unbelief to accompany you as friends. Take authority over these enemies, destroyers of faith within. For faith throughout the ages is the rubber band in our lives, giving us overcoming stories as we bounce back and thrive. Yes, I am a rubber band fan. Seeing them reminds me that we are overcomers through Christ, who says we can. For Christ was the ultimate illustrator of being a rubber band for mankind, with our sin on his back in humiliation. He stretched out his arms and died. I love that he bounced back from death to life eternal, giving believers rubber band faith to rise up, to rise up and finish our race. Amen. I'm thankful to the Lord for allowing this message to become so much a part of me because he's stretching me as well. Since February, the Lord laid on my heart to open my doors to my home to host his Holy Spirit. And I've been having ladies come to the house every other week just to encounter the Lord and to allow him to do whatever he wants to do. And we're seeing people filled with the Holy Spirit. We're seeing people healed. 
We're seeing people delivered of demons. We are seeing the power of God and the fire of God fall on these ladies and the desire to want to share their faith even more. We're seeing homes beginning to open up, saying, come, I want, I want Holy Spirit to be in my house, and I want you to come to my house too. Greg and Marietta have started a group in their home. Um, just this week, I found out my, my boss from the art gallery, Stacy's. she said, Yvette, I'm hosting Debbie Tran, the lady that spoke here recently, at my home. Um, will you come? She lives in Crescent, and there's a whole bunch of people coming in from the Metroplex. People are coming to my home from all over the region, and um, I can host 36 people comfortably. So if you haven't been, you're welcome. I've got one this Tuesday night. Just threw that out there. But he's stretching me because I've got to get my house ready. I've got to make sure my hair's did. Just kidding. Just, it's, my hair's typically a mess on that day. It's like, it's all about you, Jesus. I want your presence. So here's the deal. We are in a season where the Lord is stretching you. He's stretching you in your faith. He's stretching you to be able to share your faith. Because quite frankly, we're the world's answer. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm the world's answer. You have Jesus living in you, therefore the power of God dwells in you. You have Jesus living in you, therefore his words can come through your mouth. But if you don't open them, how is his word going to come out? Am I stretching you? You said, I just like coming to church on Sunday, doing the whole thing, and feeling good about that, and doing what I do in the week. And coming back, I know I'm a good person. I love Jesus. My family loves Jesus. We're good. And the Lord is like, yeah, but I have a whole world that's waiting for you. I have people who are longing for you to speak into their life. Just a kind word or um, an act of kindness, which I know most of you already do acts of kindness. And sometimes you don't even have to use words. And you're like, so glad I didn't have to say anything. You got my kindness, right? I paid for your meal, right? I'm riding under the radar. You don't even know who I am. Well, guess what? God's wanting you to shine. He's wanting the word of life and the word of truth to speak through you. He's wanting you to break bondages and chains off of people's lives. And the more you allow the faith of God to stretch in your heart like a rubber band, the more you will see the supernatural flowing through each one of you. Amen. I'm going to use my son, Zane, as an example. I told you we would be hearing from him uh, a little while later, and as time is now. He's going to share a testimony in just a moment about this very thing. The Lord convicted him about not stepping out in his faith. He's a great worship leader, and his ministry is behind the guitar. And the Lord dealt with him that there's more to you than that. He had a prayer request, and he asked the Lord a dangerous thing, and he said, would you send some people to me to cross my path who I could minister to? And here is his testimony. Generations Church, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I'm privileged to send you this video and share a quick testimony of what God has been doing when we allow him and give him space to move in our life. When we ask him to do it, he will do it. Every Thursday, I connect with my associate pastor here at my church, Ridgeview in Rockwall, where I live. This was three weeks ago. My prayer request was, God, send people in my path that need to hear from you, that don't know you or know you, need reassurance, need to be affirmed in anything. In less than 24 hours after praying that prayer, God did it. So the next morning, I woke up and I was in my quiet time with the Lord before I went to work out. And I was in Luke 18 and Luke 18 where it talks about Jesus healing the blind man and giving the guy sight to see. I had said, Lord, give me eyes to see those that need you. Well, this particular gentleman comes up to me that I talk to all the time. We call this guy Wood because when we met him two years ago, he's, a, he's about a six foot five, 315 pound Giant of a man, one of the strongest people I've ever seen. So we meet this big old dude in the gym, and we notice he takes his shirt off, and he has a huge tattoo across his stomach that says wood. 
And I just asked him, I said, hey man, is that your last name? And he says, no, I'm a fourth generation Peckerwood. And I said, excuse me, what's that? My ignorance. He goes, uh, I'm Aryan Brotherhood. And he looks at my, my friend who's black and basically looks at him like, what are you going to do about it? So we walk out of the gym and my friend was discouraged by that, a little intimidated. And I just said, you know what, man? In a couple years, that dude's going to be your best friend. You watch and see. Well, over time, uh, over time, it went by. I got to know this guy, Wood, a little bit. And I'd asked him about the Lord, asked me if he went to church. He said, no, I know God, but church isn't for me. Well, this particular Friday, three weeks ago, Wood comes walking up to me. And I notice he has a bracelet on his wrist that says faith and family. And I look at it and I said, you know what, man, tell me, tell me a little bit about that bracelet. What is that? That's, that's not supposed to be there. And he says, well, uh, I got that at my church. And I was just completely excited, dumbfounded, and just said, really, you're going to church now? He said, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church. It was time. It's time for me to go to church. And I said, cool. I said, well, can I ask you a question? And this is where my heart starts beating because I knew I had asked God the day before, send people to my path that need to hear from you. And so I asked him, I said, let me ask you a question, buddy. And he said, what's up? And I said, when did you first meet Jesus? He said, I was raised in the church. And I said, okay. I said, can I ask you another question? He said, yeah. I said, when did you fall away from Jesus? And he puts his head down. And he would never answer the question. And I said, was it when you got locked up? Because I knew he had done some jail time, but not the extent of the jail time that he had done. And he kept putting his head down. He'd look up at me and put his head down. He'd look up at me and he never answered the question. So at this point, I'm getting a little worried, a little concerned. Like I made this giant dude really mad that could um, flick me across the room if he wanted to. And I said, you know what, man? That question doesn't matter because your past is broken. You've been redeemed, you've been set free by the blood of Jesus. And what's mostly gratifying is that we get to raise our children to live for the Lord. He looks up at me and his chin begins to quiver. And I think like we're having some kind of breakthrough, he's gonna start crying. And he points his finger in my face and roars. Rah! And the whole gym heard him. And this man fell backwards onto the ground and went into a complete seizure. Freaked me out because I'm watching this man turn purple and gray like something had a chokehold on him. So I call 911, get off the phone with 911 and I come back into the gym and there's at least 50 people on their knees holding hands praying and the guy that was leading the prayer out was a black pastor. How cool is that? People that are praying for him are the people that he's not supposed to want anything to do with. Well, I had a brother that was there from my church that was laying hands on him and I walked up behind him and I tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey man, this isn't medical. This is something spiritual. This is bigger than this. He goes, I know. Well, well, I see him at the gym this week, this past Monday. He comes in and his whole countenance is different. He's full of joy. He's hugging on everybody. And he walks in and he says, what happened to me? And I said, well, what do you remember? He goes, I remember you, you telling me about my, asking me about my bracelet. And after that, it was all a blur. And I said, well, before I tell you what happened, I need to know what the doctors said to you. What did they tell you? And he said, the doctors told me there was nothing wrong with me. They ran every test they could, neuro, neuro, neurologist, everything and over the last week and a half, and nothing is wrong with me medically. And I said, well... I know what happened, and I believe the Lord delivered you from something huge. And I said, you never answered my question. I said, the questions I asked you was when you met Jesus and you told me you were raised in the church. That doesn't tell me you've met Jesus before. I said, is Jesus your Lord and your Savior? He said, absolutely, absolutely now he is. And I said, bro, whenever I told you that your past was broken and under the blood of Jesus, whatever that was inside of you kept you from speaking and you roared and you fell and, and the body of Christ came alive in that moment and prayed for you and cast that thing out of you and you're set free. I said, so tell me what that thing was. And he looks at me and he says, well, I've been incarcerated. I've been in the penitentiary over seven times. I'm only 37 years old. 
And he goes, and God has always been after me. He goes, my calling in life is to go back into the prisons and minister to my people. Those people understand me. I understand what those people are doing. Well, what Mr. Wood didn't know was that we found out his name during this time. When he was in the hospital, we found out that his name was Joshua. The meaning of Joshua is Savior, another derivative of Yeshua. Joshua was the man that replaced Moses and led an army. So Josh is telling me this. You know, I'm supposed to go into the prisons and I'm supposed to minister the gospel. Well, at this point, I didn't know that this was prophesied over him until the very next day. A friend of mine comes in and says, hey man, do you know where Josh is? I, I need to tell him what someone told me. And I said, well, what is it? What, did he, what were you told? He said, this old man that I, that, I, that I work with, I told him the story that happened and the old man prophesied and said, you tell him that he was delivered from anger and that he used to go into the prisons and preach the gospel. At this point, I'm crying and I said, bro, God is so real and he is so good. I said, because just yesterday, Josh told me that his calling in life is to go into the prisons and preach the gospel. None of this would have, wouldn't have happened if there wasn't a step of obedience, a step of stepping out of our comfort zone. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with me. God is always waiting on us to make, the, make a move because he moved a long time ago. He's waiting on us to make the first move. So this testimony is to encourage you to not take any credit for the power of God and what happens. But the body of Christ, when you rise up and you stand firm in the word of God and you stand firm in prayer, amazing things happen. This dude, six foot five giant, fell like lightning. He fell to the ground and would literally look like he was dying gasping for air and the body of Christ, every race came together, held hands, laid down their political affiliation, laid down their denominational wall, laid down every opinion of man and said, God, we're gonna stand in the gap for this guy. So I wanna encourage you, Generations Church, if you have a hunger for more of Jesus and you're scared because you don't believe that you are adequate enough to fulfill the call of God in your life, that is a lie from the enemy. Stand firm in the call that God has on your life. And that call that God has on our life is to go. Is to go, ask a simple question. Hey, how can I pray for you? Tell me about that t-shirt you're wearing. Tell me about the bracelet you're wearing. How's your day going? Because that communication can spark something and open a door for God to move through you. Moses was a stutterer. He felt inadequate, but God used him. If it wasn't for him to being used, we wouldn't be here right now. Wow. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So God will take you at your word when you say, use me. He'll take you at your word when you say, yes, yes, yes. I'll say yes, yes, yes. Y'all are going to be singing this this week. I'll say yes, yes. Yes, I'll do whatever you want me to, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for Zane having that desire to want to be used of him more. And I believe all of us want that. And so today, our stories, our testimonies, some of the things that we've had hidden could be the very things that the Lord wants to use you to minister to others. And I'm telling you, People are going to come across your path more and more, especially in this hour since COVID. They need us. We are their answer to bring hope and encouragement because they don't have any. If they don't have Jesus, they have none of that. You have it in spades. You have it in spades in your life. So if you, like me, have been stirred in your spirit in the last few months and you feel the zeal of the Lord rising up in you and you haven't been, you, you can't put it into words. You just know that there's more for you in this hour. Please stand. Everybody stretch. And if you have your rubber band, get it and stretch it because this is you. This is you. 
Allow the Lord to stretch you in this hour. Xavier, playing basketball this year, bro? Are you going to let the Lord use you on your team? You're going to speak out what God tells you to say? You're going to allow him to get all the glory? When people come to you and ask you, dude, I just feel like I'm supposed to talk to you about this. And you, all you have to do is have a listening ear, say, Jesus, help me, and say what he says. Can you do that? All right, check in with me and let me know when it happens. Thank you, Jesus. Johnny Hampton, you stepped out and said yes to the Lord a few months ago. How's it going? There's no words. Has God turned your life around? Are you seeing him moving you? Is God using you at your work? Hallelujah. Clap it out. We're going to sing a song about our testimonies because guess what? It's your story that makes a difference in people's lives. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you're facing right now, the promises of the Lord are yes and amen, Rachel. Yes. Yes and amen. So I want you to put your hands together. We're going to start singing this song called Testimony. I saw Satan fall like lightning. Darkness run for cover, but the miracle. 